Hello, and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today, I've got a fun guest. I've got someone who's an entrepreneur, a coach, a leader, a mentor, SVP of agent development at EXP, Curtis Dixon. Welcome to the show, my brother. Michael, thank you. It's an honor to be here. I'm excited to spend this Sunday afternoon with you. This is really a nice thing. I love it. How was your day today? Day's been amazing. I was kind of telling you before we kicked off, South Texas is under about one sixteenth of an inch thick uh, slab of ice. So everything shut down. So we've been snuggled up with the family, playing games and having fun and dragging the kids around on the back porch and having a good time. Life is good. And this excited is to This is what you need a New Yorker to teach a Texan how to deal with snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can put a couple bags of salt in the mail, we'll be doing well. <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, brother, we're going to jump right into it. You know, one of the words that I always love to describe you is just inspiration. I mean, you always inspire. You inspire me. I mean, literally, it's like your energy level is amazing. You always sort of bring a lesson to people, you know, and there's, there's like you always have the fire. But, you know, with fire, you always got to respect that flame, right? And so Absolutely. you always need to sort of know where that sort of came from. And you can't sort of control that fire without having been burned once or twice. Tell me how your early beginnings happened. Talk to me. That, that, that's a fair statement. To bring the fire, you must respect the flame. I love that. So, you know, you talked about, really, you talked about, sort of what led me here, right? And so since yeah. you and I know each other a little bit, but but I probably haven't shared the full story, I'll go back quite a ways and and take you to kind of a little bit about where I grew up and then and then what's led me on this journey. So first off, I grew up in a border town in South Texas. Uh, my mom is Hispanic and my dad is not from Arkansas. So kind of a chance meeting when they were younger. So I grew up in Laredo, Texas, a little oil and gas kind of boom town, South Texas. I grew up in a trailer park. My family was, you know, the below middle class, needless to say. And, you know, I, I grew up with never hurting, but always sort of yearning, right? And I, I always knew I wanted to go to college. I always knew I wanted to explore the world. And so when I was 18, I was very fortunate to graduate from high school with an academic scholarship to the University of Oklahoma. So I attended school and I jumped right into the minority engineering program at University of Oklahoma. I was going to be a petroleum engineer. And at 18 years old, like so many of us, right, I thought I had my whole life planned. I thought all my choices had led me down this path. And then I met at 18 years old, Michael, what was going to become my wife, wow. my best friend, freshman year of college. Her name is Megan. And I saw her and it was just that moment that you hear about. One look is all it took. And for the next five years while we were in school, I actually spent most of my time focused on how I was going to marry this amazing woman. And meanwhile, I was getting a petroleum engineering degree and going through school. And we were to our fifth year in college. I was on that five-year plan. And my wife had always dreamed of being an actress. She wanted to go to LA. And for anybody who knows about the oil and gas industry as a petroleum engineer, oil and gas was in the Midwest and in the Southwest, right? It wasn't, there wasn't much oil and gas out in Los Angeles. So when we were 22, 23 years old, we decided to get married. We were brainstorming our next 10 years. And we made a huge decision, Michael, and that was to make the leap and stop the oil and gas business and move to Los Angeles. Wow. And it might sound crazy, but, you know, I, I like one of my favorite sayings is contrast creates clarity, right? So, so many times when you're faced with two choices that are so different and you choose, it helps you crystallize where you want to go. Now, 
What I didn't mention while I was in school as a petroleum engineer was I always had the itch, Michael, to drop out and start companies. That's all I wanted to do in college besides marry this woman was be an entrepreneur. I wanted to start an oil and gas magazine. I wanted to start an oil and gas website. I wanted to do something completely different than the norm. And moving to LA was really different than the norm. My my parents didn't love that decision. Um, It it was kind of crazy to leave petroleum engineering. But what was really cool for me was when I got out to LA, my wife was pursuing the acting thing. I got into a totally different industry, which is a really... I think critical lesson I learned, which is doing something that you normally wouldn't have done on the path you were on. So many times you can learn so much that's going to prepare you for later by doing something outside of that norm. So I actually took a position in one of those kind of fast, high growth organizations where you get promoted really quickly. And I started climbing the corporate ladder in my young 20s, manager, business development manager, trying to open my own branch office. And it was great. And we had a beautiful time in California. We were thousands of miles away from family all by ourselves. And then my wife and I got pregnant and we looked at our life and we said, okay, we could keep chasing what we're doing out here in Southern California, or we could kind of get back to the Midwest, start again, right? So another choice, another decision, we opted to move to Austin, Texas. Wow. And it's funny. I now live in San Antonio just about an hour away, but I spent seven years in Austin. When I got to Austin, Michael, I was still on that corporate ladder. I was climbing. It was great. And then I just found myself in another one of these inflection points in life where it was time to make a decision. For anybody who knows a little bit about Austin, Texas, it's the live music capital of the world, but really it's a technology and entrepreneurship hub. So for anybody who's lived out in Silicon Valley, Austin has been this emerging technology and entrepreneurship hub. It's a startup hub. It's got a great ecosystem venture capital, real estate, technology, you know, Dell started there, all these great companies. And Back to my entrepreneurial itch, you know, in 2009, it was time to scratch it. And my son had just been born. He was a year old. We had just bought a home. My wife was still settling in. So that's the absolute worst time to quit your job and jump out and become an entrepreneur, right? So back to my contrast creates clarity. I decided to do it. Knew I could always go back if I had to, to sort of corporate America. And I jumped out and, and started companies. And that's where most of my business lessons really started to kick in. Michael, you know, I had developed some skill set as an engineer. I developed some tools in my previous corporate job, which was actually uh, recruiting for engineering companies. And so I had learned how to do business development. I had to learn how to do sales. I had learned how to work with high-level executives. And so now I thought, you know, as a late 20-something, I thought I had all the tools ready, you know, necessary to jump into entrepreneurship. So I started my first company, started my next one. I looked up in 2012 and we had four different startup companies running in Austin simultaneously. And really honestly, back to kind of respecting the flame, when you're you're doing that much professionally and you know this, oftentimes your life is not balanced, right? So I, I wasn't the best husband I could be. I wasn't the best father I could be for my young son. I wasn't the healthiest version of myself, right? And so I was pursuing all these fantastic professional goals and dreams. And my companies back then, and I'll get into a little bit more later, they were really focused in technology, entrepreneurship, and a bit of a real estate play. So I was already kind of looking down that real estate path in the late 2000s, early 2010s. But I looked up and back to oil and gas. You know, my dad lived down here in San Antonio, Texas. My parents did. Um, he had a booming oil and gas business. And if you remember 2010, Michael, you know, the oil and gas industry was, was booming. You know, oil was over $100 a barrel. Things were going great. And my dad had always wished we were going to have that father and son oil and gas sort of powerhouse combination. And I remember, I'll never forget this. It was 2000 and 
12 and I was, I was taking my, my first home and turning it into a rental home. I was moving out. My wife and I were going to go live in Austin for a year and figure out what was next in terms of where we wanted to live. And my dad was helping us move out. And he said, Hey son, I need you. Right. That was a, that was a call to action. And so within about 90 days, Michael, I had decided I was going to get myself out of my startup businesses. I was going to sell out to some partners. I was going to change gears and my dad had knocked and I was going to answer the knock and I was going to move down to San Antonio, get back into oil and gas. And that's exactly what I did. 2013, moved back down here. My dad and I went to work. He was, believe it or not, if you can call this a commute, he was commuting back and forth to Peru two weeks out of the month. So he'd work down there. I'd run the US operations. We were building oil field equipment, buying oil field equipment. I was doing procurement operations, everything in between. Now I was back in learning mode, right? I was picking up new skills, getting plugged back into the game. And that story, that time with my dad, those few years, Michael, you know, I'll talk more about it later. That kind of inspired something in me. He had done so much for our family. He had built such a great business and I was getting in there. My little brother was coming out of the army. So we made a company just to get my little brother business and to get going. And I realized that everything my dad had ever done, 100% was for his family. It was for us. He built this amazing legacy and you would think you do it for yourself, but he was doing it for us. So he and I cooked up an idea that someday I'd be able to do something like he had done, build a legacy, build a business, build some financial security security for our family and generations to come. And that's really where the real estate bug um, became too big to, to not scratch. Now, hold on. So we're jumping around a lot because I know that you've got, this is a great story, Curtis, and I want to just <laughs> sort of chip on it a little bit. Yeah. So I think it's really great. So talk to me a little bit about when you started this entrepreneurial spirit. You had four companies. What were sort of the lessons that you learned? Because you know, you've got you've got a brand new kid, right? It's sort of like, it's like, all right, I'm just going to go and not know where my paycheck's coming from. Let's go build something. That's a great idea. Tell so, me where those lessons come from. Oh you- my gosh. Oh my gosh. So many lessons, but I, I like the one you started with. And I'm going to start with something for the audience. If you're listening to this as an entrepreneur, as an experienced entrepreneur, or maybe you know, you're, you're a seasoned real estate professional, but you don't think about your business like an entrepreneur. I'm going to give you a simple was one of the first things I learned, Michael, picked it up out of a book, started diving into this sort of approach and content. It's called the Lean Startup Methodology. Lean Startup. It's one of my favorite books. I keep it here on my bookshelf. It's by Eric Rees. And he's a technology entrepreneur out of the West Coast. And the Lean Startup Methodology is really simple, Michael, and you kind of hit it. The, the philosophy is build, measure, learn. That's it. Mm-hmm. Build, measure, learn. And as an engineer, that spoke to my sensibilities. So we had an idea for my first company. Um, well, the second idea. So I'm in Austin. I've got a full-time job. And one of my best friends says, hey, Curtis, I've had a really good job. You've got a good job. Why don't we quit our jobs and go start a company? <laughs> and, and we said, all right, that sounds like a terrible idea. Let's do it. What's the lowest risk way we could do it, Michael? What was the lowest risk way? And for us, it was let's buy a franchise, yeah. something we wouldn't have to build but we could just kind of buy right in and to work, right? So we bought a franchise and it was a technology um, child safety care franchise. It was, it was, you know, not that great, but we bought pretty cheap and we got into business, but we really got into this loop of build, measure, learn. So we're running a business. We need an office, right? Everybody needs office space. I'm the idea of co-working spaces 
weren't very big yet. You had your Regis and your executive suites and your shared offices. But in Austin, Texas, we found one co-working space. We went and explored it. And it wasn't quite the right office setup for us. We wanted something more professional. We needed professional meeting space. So that became our second business. We said, well, let's scratch our niche. Let's lease a big office space in the middle of Austin and let's open it up co-working. So now we've got business number two running, right? Wow. And we had built this little franchise and now we built this co-working space. And what we did was track everything. So if you're listening and you don't track everything obsessively, you're never gonna learn the lessons you need to learn to decide when to pivot, iterate, change, shock something here, Michael, or say, you know what, this is working. Let's pour gasoline on this fire, right? So build, measure, learn became that framework. So that co-working startup, business number two, actually led us right into connecting to all these technology entrepreneurs. It led us to running a big group in our city of Austin. It plugged us into programmers and coders. We were running, you know, startup nights and all these business pitch sessions, and all these cool things at our co-working space. And that led us into company number three, which was a software technology startup for really kind of like a social network back then for managing small groups, kind of like GroupMe now, yeah. if you've used that GroupMe app, um, it's the, that sort of thing. But again, we were in this loop of build, measure, learn. So we were building something, we were figuring out what works, we were learning from it, and we were building again. We were just in this loop of not stopping. So as this co-working space, which I don't know if you know much about those business models, they run like gym memberships. So people pay a membership and then they have space, et cetera. So as that co-working group was growing, we were building our software because we wanted to service our group using that technology to communicate, to build community, et cetera. Um, that led to... You know, we a couple of contests with that technology. We got some investment, some angel investors, Michael, some interesting stuff. And that loop just kept going. It kind of fueled our co-working business. We had this software business. We had all kinds of real estate professionals actually inquiring about our co-working space at the time. I'm sure you've heard of WeWork, right? The big company that now has got a, a tougher story than it seemed like it had five years ago. But we actually spoke to WeWork really early on about the model because that's what we were building. And that led to the fourth big business. And it was kind of like Airbnb, but for office space. And this, and there were so many commercial real estate co-working spaces looking for content, education, wow. great events to fuel their spaces. That's what we had gotten in the business of doing. So a decade ago, man, before, you know, I guess right at the time, We'll talk about EXP later, but right at the time Glenn was starting EXP, I was in Austin building education for co-working spaces as my fourth technology startup. So that, that's what was going on. And so I talked about build, measure, learn as a lesson. Um, one more lesson here for anybody thinking about how to take an idea and start executing. And the lesson, it sounds so simple, but it's much harder to do in practicality. That lesson is to focus on quantity and then quality. So when you're trying to figure anything out, what you tend to do, a classic entrepreneur, is you tend to run into that sort of analysis paralysis, right? You just keep thinking and you just keep trying to figure it out. And you rarely get into action because you're not sure what action to take. You're not sure right. how you should spend your days. You're not sure how you should spend those few dollars you have. You're not sure what to put on the credit card, right? And so my approach back then was I'm just going to get into action and I'm going to fill up my day, my week with conversations, with sessions of, of building with meetings with 
progress. And then I'm going to figure it out. And I can tell you by the fourth or third or fourth iteration cycle, we were figuring it out. We had, we had really latched onto something and we were refining what we were doing and what we were focused on. And, you know, some of those first businesses definitely felt like failures, but those were practice for the games that I was going to get in later in life. All the learning lessons, you know, but something you mentioned earlier that I want to go back to, which I think really is something that became full circle. You talked about how you and your dad went to business together and you shared a story with me that you started a business with your son. <laughs> That's absolutely right, man. Office. So my, my son, Jackson, I talked about my wife. Um, I have three kids, two daughters and my son, Jackson. He just turned 13. Last week was his birthday. And I've always wanted to, rather than give Jackson the things I never had, I've always wanted to teach Jackson the things I wasn't taught. So oh, okay. even though I referenced my dad, that's a Bruce Lee quote. Instead of giving your kids the things you never had, teach them the things you were never taught. That's and it. my dad, when I was growing up, he had a full-time job. He worked, he worked all day, every day, and he didn't start his companies until later in life, right about the time I went to school, went to college. And so for my son... I've always, I mean, I was dragging him around in Austin to this co-working space. He was at startup pitches. I've always exposed him to the creative side of business. And as he's grown up, he's a diehard basketball fan. He plays basketball, it seems like, all day, every day. He plays at a pretty high level. He's really creative. He's got a great mind for math, you know, really cool qualities. And I've always spitballed ideas with him. And everything ranging from, hey, we should build a website. We should get a YouTube channel. What do you think? And, and anytime he shows interest in an idea, we latch on and we brainstorm that idea. Well, a while back, we, we threw out this idea of a brand to help kids. And, and the brand was called the Unstoppable Brand. And it was built around instilling the power of a positive mindset in kids. My son it has a really phenomenal mindset. He takes after like the Michael Phelps of the world where he, he meditates and visualizes before games, all that good stuff. So long story short, we've been working on this brand for a long time to think what the first couple of products would be, Michael. And a couple of weeks ago, we decided it was going to be a board game. He decided it was going to be a board game. And your question earlier about going from idea to execution, uh, that is the hardest part for any of us in any part of our life, right? To take that idea and actually do something with it. And I want him to learn that, right? So anytime we get there, my first challenge is, let's write it down. Let's put it in the notebook, right? Because that's hard. You can take an idea and you can talk all day long, but if you can't start putting your idea on paper, if you can't start making a plan, that's right. it's not real. Yeah. So Great that's what idea. we're working on these days. That's amazing. So when is it the board game coming out? <laughs> I, I think it'll be out by summer. That's oh the current God, goal. That's awesome. We do a big family trip, at least in, in prototype form. So I'll, I'll send you it built. It's a lot, it'll be I fun. Love that. All right. So tell me now, we're at, we're at oil and gas. You've got a lot of entrepreneurship going on. You had four companies that were running simultaneously. How did you make the shift to real estate? I'll go back to, you know, years prior to getting into real estate. I had always known I wanted to go that direction, Michael. I just didn't know how I was going to get there. And so back to what I learned during my startup days, you know, when you want to go after something, you just have to start taking action in that direction. That's right. So I started diving into, I really wanted to enter real estate, Michael, investment angle. That was my goal. And so I started making connections, reaching out, 
subscribing to investor forums like Bigger Pockets, reading books, and making connections here in my city in San Antonio. And oil and gas, if you remember, probably about 2013, 14, it actually started to slow down. That's right. And it was no longer it was no longer the industry it had been for a couple of decades. And so I, I knew, just like I shared earlier, so many of those inflection points, I knew it was time to make the next decision. And so I sought out some of my new connections in real estate here in San Antonio, met with a couple of commercial brokers because I was interested in that commercial real estate route and never thought I'd end up in residential realty, Michael, but I met a young entrepreneur here in the city in San Antonio by the name of Kyle Handy. <laughs> and something I'll talk about a little bit later, the people matter, right? The people in your life, the people in your business, they matter. And so what I knew after meeting Kyle was, this is somebody I want to work with. This is somebody I could learn from. This is somebody I could impact. I think we could do some good together. And so rather than be stuck on the fact that this was residential and not commercial, we weren't looking at investments. We were building residential boutique brokerage, but I knew that was somebody I wanted to be in business with. So I jumped in in 2015 and we started building a brokerage together. Wow. Really quickly, I, I learned the ropes in real estate sales, but my ambition from day one was to build a business. I wanted to build a platform for other agents to experience success. I wanted to build something that skilled and helped thousands of people instead of dozens of people. And so that's what we set out to do together in 2015 with his company called Handy Realty. That was the beginning of my real estate journey. Wow. And Kyle's such a great person. And so it's so amazing that you had that history. I didn't even know that you had that history. I met Kyle recently in, in Dallas in, in October when I was down there with Glenn. And, uh, you know, he spoke so highly of you, but I didn't know the back history. I love yep, it. We go, we go way back, man. It, it was the coolest, I think, the coolest example of collaboration. So, you know, you know me a little bit, Michael. That's one of my, that's one of my primary passions in life is finding ways to collaborate with others and create yes. collaborative situations. And I, I had just come off of building what my fifth company, if you count the oil and gas business with my dad, and he was on his first company. Well, he had spent a decade in real estate and I was just finding a way to break into the business. So that seemed like, I said, show Great me the rope, show me the business. Right. Yeah. We'll build a company together. I love that. All right. Now, look, you are probably one of the best coaches I know. You really just inspire a lot of people. I want to ask you, what inspires you, Curtis? So I got to go back a little bit, Michael. I was talking about my dad and my family. I, I talk about my family a lot. They're really important to me. And, you know, first thing that inspires me is, is love for others and love for myself. You know, I always wanted to be able to give to others and make an impact on them the way that they've impacted me, so many people. And so actually jumping into real estate, when you asked me that question, that also had to do with being able to help out my family. That also had to do with being able to build a legacy. That also had to do with creating wealth and being able to help many more people than I could prior to jumping into that business. So now, what inspires me besides love? First, I'm very inspired by progress. I haven't told you this yet. One of the things I'll talk about a little bit if I get a chance is I volunteer as a basketball coach for kids. I love and that. And the, the reason I use this story, Michael, is because one of the coolest things about working with kids 
is how pronounced progress is, right? If you can, if you can picture a little eight, nine or 10 year old learning how to dribble a basketball, learning how to shoot correctly, playing as a teammate, you can see them making progress. It's just so glaringly apparent. And I think oftentimes as we grow older, we fail to recognize our progress. We fail to see progress in others. We fail to see progress in our careers, in our personal life, you know, in our health, emotional state, finances, what have you. So progress is something that really inspires me. I look really hard for progress. My wife and I talk all the time about leveling up. We talk about leveling up our mindset, our skill set, our tool set, the areas of our life. Progress is one of my inspirations. The other side of that coin, Michael, is impact. There's been a lot of times in my life where I've been really fortunate. And I, I imagine most of us listening to this podcast can relate. The real measure, though, of the value of that fortune is what can you do with it? How can you give back? When you're fortunate, when you're blessed, when you're in a, a good situation, are you deliberately impacting others? Are you giving back? Are you putting your hand out to coach or mentor that next person? And the interesting thing about impact too is you don't need a big audience, a big platform, a big reach, right? You can impact the people in your neighborhood. You can impact Absolutely. your coworker, your colleague. You can impact somebody you work with, somebody you work for, right? Impact is another one. And then the last one, I don't want to take us down a tangent, but I, I do want to talk about something that I really passionately like to study. I am super inspired, Michael, by the power of the human mind and the human body. I love studying meditation and visualization. I love studying neuroscience. I love studying your ability to manifest. I love the higher faculties that Bob Proctor talks about. So progress, impact, and the power of the mind and body, I'd say are three things that inspire me. Well, we're gonna, those are awesome things, brother. And we're going we're gonna to stay on that three theme for a moment. I want you to tell me, and I know that you've coached and mentored a lot of agents coming into the marketplace. And, you know, you do it every single day at, at EXP. Tell me three things you would tell an agent that would be entering the business today. What should they do? Entering the business today. All right. Yeah. I'm going to give you three things. Number one, plan for three years of investment. If you will give it three years, you'll never have to look back. The average real estate agent that joins our industry, Michael, you know the statistics, aren't going to make it past two. Well, right. if you plan for three, you'll get there. And let me tell you what those three years are. So you might ask, okay, Curtis, three years, but what do I focus on during those three years. I'm going to name them for you. Year number one, your focus is called grind year. Grind year, Michael. You're going to be grinding every day of that year, every week of that year. But year two is growth year because all those people you've met, all those relationships you've built, all those names in your database, all those transactions that did go through and the, the few that didn't go through during grind year, in growth year, you're going to see what all of that translates into. So year two is going to be growth year. And then year three is going to be your explosion year. 
That's where everything is going to click. You're going to fire on all cylinders. Your database is going to be big. Your relationships are going to be strong. You're going to be generating referrals. You're going to have multiple sources of leads. So plan for three years and commit to it is number one. Number two, I talked about this earlier. One of my first and greatest business coaches in this industry is a good friend of mine named Josh Sigmund. And Josh made me, as he was coaching me during my first year in real estate, he made me fill up an activity tracker every week, period story. So if you're new to the business, you might not know what an activity tracker is. And there's a lot of different kinds of activity trackers you can get. But the bottom line is picture a one page sheet of paper that has all the things you should be doing to be successful in real estate, having face-to-face meetings, having conversations, generating leads, signing up new clients, sending handwritten thank you notes, right? That's an activity tracker. You should be filling that up every single week without fail. And remember my tip from earlier, it's quantity first and then quality. But if you're filling that activity tracker obsessively, there's no way you're not going to survive in this business. Fill an activity tracker. And then the last one is, it's a cycle of life. And I see so many agents, Michael, get trapped in not understanding this cycle. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach it to you and you need to get obsessed with it if you're new to this business. That cycle is first you learn to earn and then you earn to learn. So let me break it down. Learn to earn. If you're new to the business, there's probably a lot that you don't know about selling real estate, about sales in general, but there's only a little bit that you need to learn in order to actually go out and conduct business and earn an income. There's only a little bit. You need to learn how to lead generate. You need to learn how to work with buyers, work with sellers. The rest, you'll figure it out along the way. So many times, Michael, new to this industry agents get trapped continually trying to learn. Believe me, I'm a huge proponent of education, but you have to learn to earn. And then once you learn enough, Michael, you go to work and you go earn an income, you go close deals, you go make sales, you go put food on your family's table. And once you've earned, while you're finally making money and you're healthy and your business is working, then you'll know enough about what else it is you need to learn. Where do you need to improve, right? So learn to earn and then earn to learn. That's the third thing I'd say, get obsessed with that cycle. You know, those are really specific ones. And I love that because it actually is something that you can, it's an activity. You can go and do these things. And it's actually what you were saying earlier. There is that, that, that focal point that's as far as you can see. And that might be that three-year goal. And that's what you're seeing. And here's the roadmap. So I love this. This is actually really, really great. I, I, that was so thoughtful as to the way you put this down. And I have a question for you now. So now that you are, you know, the teacher, the mentor, the coach, tell me what the greatest lesson you ever learned in your career has been thus far. You know, what's interesting about giving out lessons, Michael, is there's always context, right? You you know, the old saying, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. The greatest lesson I could contribute to anybody listening depends on what it is that person's going through right now. So I'm, I'm going to sum it up and then I'm going to give you sort of two answers to the lessons depending on what the listener might need right now. So in summary, my lesson is about if you're asking yourself the question of whether or not something matters, the answer is yes, it matters. 
everything you're questioning matters. Now, let me give you the real answer. So if you're building a team or you're running a brokerage or you, you're more than that solopreneur real estate agent, the number one lesson I've learned is the people around you matter. Who are you working with? Who are you hiring? Who are you learning from? Who's your mentor? Who's your coach? Who's your broker? Who's your business partner? That's the number one lesson I've learned when you're doing it with others. And, you know, real estate is a collaborative sport. You're almost always in business with others. So the people around you matter a lot. But I've got, I've got a different message for those that are in that sort of solopreneur mode, Michael, where they don't have a team. They're not running a brokerage. Maybe they're not collaborating at a high level in this game or in this industry. And they're sort of doing it by and with and for themselves. Then what matters for that person, in my opinion, Michael, the greatest lesson I've learned is it matters that you understand your motivation. Why you're doing what you're doing matters so much. So I'm going to give you my favorite little piece about motivation right now. It comes from one of my favorite books called Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. What Jay proposes is that there are four types of motivation. You're either motivated by fear, you're motivated by desire, you're motivated by duty, or you're motivated by love. And I'm not here as a lesson to tell anybody in the audience which one they need to be motivated by. You can imagine that duty and love give you a sense of purpose and longevity that fear and desire don't. But regardless of which one you're motivated by, the lesson is how you're motivated right now matters. So for those agents that are new to the business, Michael, that might be listening, you might be motivated by fear of not making any money, not having enough food on the table, not being able to survive those three years I gave you. Use that motivation of fear, high action, high return, find a way to get yourself out of fear. Or maybe you're motivated by desire. Maybe you're motivated by experiences and possessions and things you want to achieve. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that motivation. Just know that's what you're motivated by. On your vision board should be the picture of that Tesla. On the vision board should be the plan, the trip to go live in Puerto Rico, right? Maybe that's your motivation. If, If you're motivated by duty, this is my obligation. I run a business. I have a team. People depend on me. Awesome know that that's what you're motivated by. And if you're motivated by love and you're doing it for the love of the game, the love of the family, your self-love, cool. Know that and recognize that that could be your greatest teacher in the type of motivation. So people around you and motivation are the two greatest lessons I think I've learned in my career. That is awesome. And tell me, how did you get started at EXP? Was that through Kyle? Yeah, so... This the story, you know me, man. I, I go, I go way back, right? So I'm talking about <laughs> that 10 year roadmap and destination. You know, here's the story that I tell Michael, and, and I'll get into a little bit of detail for sure to talk about Kyle and, and the story because that was a big part of it. But in 2010, back when I was in Austin in my startup days, I was in the center of technology, education, and real estate. That's what I was doing. That's how I was spending my time. That's what I eat, slept, and breathed. Right? Ate, slept, and, and breathed technology, entrepreneurship, real estate, and education. And I blinked, Michael, and 10 years later, EXP was on my doorstep. (laughs) Technology, education, and real estate converging. So in 2017, when I was an agent, 
with Kyle and, and we were building our independent brokerage, you know, we, we heard about this EXP opportunity and what I saw EXP as Michael was I saw it as the most transcendent platform in any industry that I had been a part of, not just real estate in any industry. I saw it like Amazon. Yep. I saw it like Salesforce, Netflix. I, I just saw the platform and I said, there are going to be tens of thousands of people who change their lives on this platform. Some that weren't even agents yet. Some that have been agents for decades and others that weren't even in the business. You know, my wife wasn't a licensed agent in 2017 when we decided to bring our independent brokerage handy realty to EXP. Yet the platform itself and what it's done for me, what it's done for hundreds of others that we're in business with that are partners around the globe. I mean, it's been life changing. So we got involved in EXP in 2017, again, by bringing our brokerage over and knowing, you know, knowing my background, my interest as an entrepreneur, my passion for education and technology, I really quickly made friends with a lot of the, the leadership at EXP on the corporate side. And so in 2019, a friend of mine who was in leadership at the time at the brokerage knew what I was doing outside of the company from a, a real estate education and personal development sort of content perspective. I was I was on my path, Michael, to build sort of my own university. I was building a personal brand around personal development and, and real estate professional development. And I was offered the opportunity to come in and, and do that on the EXP, EXP platform as a corporate employee. So not only did I come in as an agent, bring an independent brokerage, help a lot of agents join EXP, then I was offered the opportunity to make that impact um, as a staff member at EXP. And that's what I've been up to the last couple of years. And it is such a great thing that you are. You are such an incredible part of what is the makeup of EXP. And I say that with a full heart, my brother, and it is really, you know, you, you just really inspire so many people that are there. And though that growth that's happening has a lot to do with what you're doing and your hands are all over that. So it is that that growth is explosive and, and, and you care and deal so much with that. So thank you. I, as a part of EXP, am so glad that you are here. Thank you for that, Michael. That means a lot. And I'm, I'm having fun and honored to get to cross paths and, and partner with folks like yourself as well. A hundred percent. And, you know, and, and there's such an ethos. You mentioned it earlier with EXP, with, you know, giving back. And um, actually, you know, um, today I had uh, I had uh, brunch with my godson and his mom. And I was talking to uh, to his mom and, you know, she was really worried about paying for college for him. And um, we had a very serious talk. And I said, you know, um, don't worry about it. I said, he's my godson. And it was already in my in my financial planning. And, you know, I just need you to know that it wasn't something that I was going to share with you. But she had all this stress and it was such a beautiful moment that happened just a few hours ago. And it was the sense that it was because of this incredible gift of EXP, that gift that I was already doing that I just didn't, you know, need to share. But I shared because it was a stress that she had. And, you know, just to see the ability to sort of remove a stress from someone's life, that's what you're supposed to do with this and that pay it forward type of thing. And it was a beautiful moment. And it was something that is, is a gift to me to be able to be in a position to do that. And, and I very, I'm, 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 I feel so blessed to be able to do things like that. 
And, you know, it's an ethos of where we are as, as an organization, as a people. And I think you find your own tribe. And I know that you are very involved in philanthropic efforts. And I um, wish you would share with the audience a little bit about that, please. And well, first of all, I just have to, without knowing, um, you know, the parents of your godson and, and just hearing that story, I have to say thank you because of what you're doing, you know, for that young man and, and for his family. You're you're creating and you're opening up that path to progress, Michael. You know, you're creating opportunity for pursuit of a dream. You're coming from a place of love and just what you're doing is amazing. And I appreciate you sharing that story. You know, there's a couple of directions I could go here. The first one I'm going to do is I'm going to do a little bit of personal manifesting. So about two and a half years ago, when I decided to, to jump on the corporate side of EXP, I had a goal that previous year of impacting 1,000 lives through my real estate business, a thousand lives. That meant, you know, a hundred or 200 families. That meant some friends. That meant some other agents. You know, that meant my content, my YouTube channels. And I, I stood on a stage at the end of 2018 at an event that I was speaking at. And I had no idea how, but I said by 2020, I wanted to impact 10,000 lives. I had no idea how, Michael, I would reach 10,000 people ever. And then as you alluded to our EXP platform, you know, 45,000 agents globally and going strong, I get the chance to stand on stage many days a week and impact lives. So you never know how something's going to happen, but if you speak it into existence and then you put intention and energy around it, you'll get there. So you talked about scholarships. I have on my 10-year vision board, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to be responsible for 1,000 scholarships for kids. Maybe it's scholarships to play sports. Maybe it's scholarships to go to college. Maybe it's a scholarship to participate in an after-school program. I don't know what it's going to look like 10 years from now, but I do have a dream and, and what you've done resonates with me so much. So I'm going to someday, somehow, 10-year target, impact the ability for children to do something that they want to do. And to that point, I'll talk about, I think one of the most, you know, there's two, but one of the most important sort of things going on in my life from a contribution and giving back standpoint, I don't know if you know this, um, but for your audience, my daughters, I have two daughters and they came into our life five and six years ago through what's called the, the foster to adopt through the department of uh, the, the department of public services for children, CPS, child protective services. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I actually brought our daughters into our home as foster daughters and we were licensed to, to adopt, and it had always been our dream to adopt and to be able to bring some children into our life that wouldn't have been a part of it otherwise. And so we fought for years, Michael, through the foster and adoption systems to actually be able to call Annabelle and Taylor our daughters. So the foster and adoption systems are a place where we contribute quite a bit and give back in a variety of ways. It's super important to us. You know, you talked about just the idea of being able to give someone a life that they might not have been able to have, or that there was real worry around having, you know, our daughters came from a place of, of trauma and, you know, based on where they started their lives, they might not actually be alive or on this planet at all today. If it hadn't been for that foster and, and adopt system and child protective services. So my wife and I spend a lot of our energy and efforts and resources to give back there because we want to see kids make it out of that system. There's so many, you know, tens of thousands of children in need right here in our communities in the United States um, in that foster to adopt system. So that's, that's one area and it's really near and dear to our hearts. We have a lot of goals and want to be able to give back there. Um, and then the other one, you know, it's, it's funny because like I said, my family is just such an important part of my life. 
The other one is basketball. So I mentioned it earlier, you know, we give, I, I'd say there's been thousands of hours contributed <laughs> and, and plenty of, uh, you know, checks written to be able to, to allow kids the opportunity to progress through sports, you know, depending on where you live and, and how you grew up, you know, school sports runs one way, but club sports and all that is a, is a totally different thing. So I coach, my son's part of an organization. We give back in a lot of ways, making sure kids can play and travel and all that good stuff. So our foster to adopt and our basketball are probably two of the biggest areas we give back right now outside of, you know, helping family and friends and, and other ways we contribute. That is amazing. And I love the story. And you have shared it with me with your daughters. And that is such a special story that really resonates with me as well. And I, and I love who you and, and, and Megan are in doing that and, and creating another opportunity for those two young souls. So God bless you on doing that. And I have one final question for you. And um, I actually asked you on a panel that you and I sat on uh, earlier last week. Um, and uh, for the sake of this audience, as it's a new audience, in your current book of life, what is this chapter entitled and why? I love that question. Life is a series of narratives, right? And Absolutely. There, there are two stories that are really important in life. It's the story that you're telling everyone and the story that you're telling yourself. And before I answer your question about this chapter of life for Curtis, you know, I'm going to challenge your audience to think for a minute. Imagine you're, you're walking outside, Michael, in South Texas right now on this little sheet of ice and, and you fall and you, you hurt your arm really bad and you just know you broke it. You know you broke your arm. You know, how many of you would sit around and not go to the doctor? Well, maybe a few of us, you know, the most stubborn of us might wait for a few hours but once you could no longer lift your arm and it was starting to turn purple and swell up, you'd head to the doctor and you'd get an x-ray and they'd tell you that your arm was fractured and you needed a cast and six weeks to heal. And they'd give you instructions because we're so used to taking care of our, or, or addressing, you know, our physical ailments, right? We're rarely going to get injured and not take care of it. But let me ask you a different question. What if you're in a conversation or a relationship or a business partnership or a situation Situation, a financial circumstance, and you get hurt, damaged, fractured, something's broken, the relationship splits, the conversation ends badly, the deal blows up, something goes sideways, you lose some money, you, you hurt yourself, you spiral into depression, negative self-talk. How many of you within a couple of hours would head to the air quotes doctor, right? And I think the answer is not very many of us, Michael. I think so often in life when we're hurt mentally, spiritually, emotionally, maybe even our, our physical health. And this is one I've, I've been struggling with for a couple of decades. We rarely go to work on ourselves in those instances. So in this chapter of my life, based on just what's transpired in the last couple of years, what 2020 was like, you know, my current chapter, the title is heal. Mm. That's a word at the center of my life right now is heal. There's a lot to heal. I think that's amazing. I think that's a lot to heal from such a macro point of view, all of us as a society in the world. And the fact that this was, you know, a global pandemic and it affected many people and many people died and it affected many people's financial situation. And, you know, there, there was a lot that we needed to heal as a society. So I actually love that. And it's a very pensive way to 
to really end this conversation. And, and Curtis, I got to tell you, first of all, you are an incredible human being. And it's somebody, something that I knew from day one of meeting you. And in the time that we have worked together, it, it's really been an honor. And you know, what's so funny is that I consider you uh, uh, a, a good friend and we've actually never met in person, which is really insane in the structure <laughs> in which we work. Isn't that crazy? It is, it is insanity, but I, I, I appreciate you, my brother. I appreciate who you are. I appreciate who you are as, as, as a leader, as a coach but more importantly, as a human being and, and who you are and how you care. And I thank you for this conversation today. Michael, it's been my pleasure. I feel the exact same way. And, and that's one of the areas where we all need to heal right now is in those connections to others, in those relationships. There's so many people out there that might feel the same way we feel about each other. Make sure you share it. Make sure you drop a note to somebody. Make sure you call, follow up, send them a message. And Michael, Thank you for all the people that you touch globally, that you reach in so many ways. Thank you for your leadership, your partnership. And I had a blast doing this conversation with you. Honored to be a guest. Thank you, Curtis. And thank you for all of you for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Michael Valdez.